0: Welcome to this message from Eastwood Baptist Church, one church with two locations in Bowling Green and Alberton, Kentucky. To learn more, visit eastwoodbc.org. Now, may the Lord bless you in the hearing of His Holy Word. So if you have your copy of God's Word, go with me to the book of Haggai. And as I've said all along in the book of Haggai, it's hard to find sometimes because it's only two chapters, Okay. Only like two to three pages in your Bible. So the easiest way to find it is to grab your copy of God's Word and go to the book of Matthew. And then go back into the Old Testament, six to ten pages, and there you will find the book of Haggai, right between the two Z prophets, Zephaniah and Zechariah. So Haggai's right between those. You guys ever get a song stuck in your head? I mean, you know, this week, it's been been one of those weeks, right, where I've had songs. And my my playlist is like the most eclectic playlist you can think of, right? It can go from Toby Mac to Guns N' Roses to, you know, the playlist that goes in my head sometimes. It just pops out of nowhere, it seems like. But maybe sometimes it's just a word or it's just a phrase that reminds me of a song. And so this week, as I was studying the book of Haggai, it was the phrase there in Haggai 2.19 where God says, I will bless you. And so all week, all week, in the back of my head, I've had that old hymn written all the way back in 1897. Count your blessings, name them one by one. Count your blessings, see what God hath done. Count your blessings, name them one by one. Count your many blessings, see what God hath done. You know, as I thought on that verse from Haggai and had that song playing in the back of my brain all week long, three things occurred to me. And I expect that these these three things are true of you as well, right? First, it occurred to me that I am really blessed. Can I get an amen? Would you say that about your own life? That you are really, really blessed. I mean, I'm not just talking about you know, um, life, but it's more than life. It, it's, it's a wonderful family that God's given me. It's the gift of salvation by grace through faith in Jesus. It's given me a roof over my head and food in my belly and clothes on my body. I mean, I am really blessed. And then it occurred to me that every blessing I have is way undeserved. We don't deserve them. I don't deserve them. As a sinner and as a rebel who's fallen short of God's glory, God would have been righteous and just To withhold every good thing from me and from you. But he hasn't. He hasn't, right? He has blessed us even though we don't deserve it. Even though I don't deserve it. I'm truly amazed. By God's amazing grace. And then it occurred to me. That as I think about count your blessings. I couldn't even count God's blessings if I tried. Because they're way more than I can count. They are Innumerable in one sense, right? Because we are, I am blessed beyond measure. Well, that's the title of this morning's message, Blessed Beyond Measure, as we come to the final message here in our series, Greater Things, where we've been walking through the book of Haggai. And here's today's truth that I want you to latch on to from this list, from this last word from God to Haggai, which comes only four months. After the first word was given to Haggai. So if you, from Haggai 1.1 to Haggai 2.23, four months in time is all that prophet uh, covered. And here's today's truth, and it's this. God in his grace blesses us way more than we deserve. That's today's truth I want you to latch onto from this text. And so let's see how God communicates his truth to us in our text. Haggai 2.10 through 23, I want to invite you to stand to honor the reading of the Word of God this morning. Haggai 2, beginning in the 10th verse, going down through the 23rd. The Word of God says this. On the 24th day of the ninth month, in the second year of Darius, the Word of the Lord came by Haggai the prophet. Thus says the Lord Lord of hosts, Ask the priest about the law. If someone carries holy meat in the fold of his garment and touches With his fold, bread, or stew, or wine, or oil, or any kind of food, does it become holy? The priests answered and said, no. Then Haggai said, if someone who is unclean by contact with a dead body touches any of these, does it become unclean? The priests answered and said, it does become unclean. Then Haggai answered and said, so it is, or so is it with this people And with this nation before me, declares the Lord, and so with every work of their hands, and what they offer there is unclean. Now then, consider from this day onward, before stone was placed upon stone in the temple of the Lord, how did you fare? When one came to a heap of twenty measures, there were but ten. When one came to the wine vat to draw fifty measures, there were but twenty. I struck you And all the products of your toil with blight and with mildew and with hail, yet you did not turn from me, declares the Lord. Consider from this day onward, from the 24th month or the 24th day of the ninth month, since the day that the foundation of the Lord's temple was laid, consider, is the seed yet in the barn? Indeed, the vine, the fig tree, the pomegranate and the olive tree have yielded nothing But from this day on, I will bless you. The word of the Lord came a second time to Haggai on the 24th day of the month. That's the same day as the other one. Speak to Zerubbabel, the governor of Judah, saying, I'm about to shake the heavens and the earth and to overthrow the thrones of kingdoms. I'm about to destroy the strength of the kingdoms of the nations. And overthrow the chariots and their riders. And the horses and their riders shall go down, every one of them by the sword of his brother. On that day, declares the Lord of hosts, I will take you, O Zerubbabel, my servant, the son of Shiltiel, declares the Lord, and make you like a signet ring, for I have chosen you, declares the Lord of hosts. Thus ends the reading of the word of God this morning. Let's pray together. Father, as we have read your word this morning, we pray that you would speak to us through it, God, that your word would not return void. Help us to understand it, God. And then help us to go live it, to apply it to our lives, God. So we pray that you would come and move in our midst. If there's anybody this morning who's never turned and trusted Christ as their Savior and Lord, God, we ask that they would, even in this very worship gathering, whether they're watching online or whether they're here in person, God, would today give their heart to Jesus Christ. They would turn from sin and trust in Jesus and be saved. Father, we thank you for all you are doing in our midst. It's in Jesus' name we give you thanks. Amen. Amen. Grab your seat if you would. So again, today's truth that I want you to take home from this text is that God in His grace blesses us way more than we deserve. In our text today, we learn three things about blessings. First, we learn that blessings are often disguised as attention-getters. You've been there before, right? Blessings are often disguised as attention-getters. The people of Israel, they had a problem they were unclean, both morally and ceremonially. In the book of Leviticus, which I, I've, I've, I kind of was almost done preaching through on Wednesday nights until all of this hit. So if you want to learn more about what the book of Leviticus has to say and how it applies to us today, I encourage you to go to our website and check out that series on Leviticus. Okay, But in Leviticus, God He laid out under the old covenant all of the regulations to protect the people from becoming ceremonially unclean. Unclean, And then procedures to then become clean again if they did become ceremonially unclean. And a key part to becoming clean again was offering sacrifices in the tabernacle, which was later replaced by the temple in King Solomon's day. But here in Haggai's day, when the people became ceremonially unclean, they really had no way of fixing it because there was no temple. The temple lay in Ruin, And so God essentially says to them in Haggai 2, 13 and 14, he essentially says, you're unclean and your sacrifices are unclean. Your work is unclean. And so what did God do? He began to bless them with pain and frustration. Wait, what? What did you just say, preacher? <laughs> yeah, I said, let me say it again. God began to bless them With pain and frustration, you see, sometimes blessings come disguised as attention-getters. Look at verse 15 through 17 here in Haggai 2. It says, Now then consider from this day onward, before stone was placed upon stone in the temple of the Lord, how did you fare? In other words, how was it going for you? When one came to a heap of twenty measures, there were but ten. When one came to the wine vat to draw fifty measures, there were but twenty. I struck you in all the products of your toil with blight and with mildew and with hail. Yet you did not turn to me, declares the Lord. And so the prophet is saying from God, your food has been lessened. Your drink has been lessened. Everything that you gave has been ruined by by mildew and blight and, 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 and varmints and everything else. He increased their pain and their frustration. You might be thinking... I don't see how pain and frustration could be a blessing. Why don't you think about this for just a moment. When you take a needle and you prick your finger, what happens? Ouch, right? You immediately recoil back. The pain shoots through your finger and you recoil back. You pull your finger away so that your finger does not get damaged further. All right? So pain is a blessing to keep you from further harm. Did you know there are actually people in the world who cannot feel physical pain? They have this rare condition called CIPA, which is congenital insensitivity to pain and anhydrosis. In other words, if they touch something hot, they can't feel it. If they get cut, they can't feel it. If they break a bone, they can't feel it. And their life without pain, it's very difficult and it's very dangerous. And so pain, y'all, is a blessing because it tells us that something is hurting us, that something is wrong. It gets our attention, doesn't it? And that's what God was doing here. He increased their pain and frustration to get their attention, to drive them to despair so that they would turn back to Him and seek Him. And although it hurt, it was a blessing from God. It was the grace of God. It was grace from God. God in His grace was screaming, Turn to me, trust me. He was trying to get their attention. And right now in your life, there may be an increased pain, there may be increased frustration. Maybe it's emotional, maybe it's relational, or maybe it is physical, but the pain is there for a reason. Something's not right. And oftentimes, what do we try to do? We try to dull the pain. We try to ignore the pain. We try to run from the pain, but the pain is there to get your attention so that you will address whatever is hurting you so that you can begin to heal. So I say to you this morning, lean into that pain and receive it as a blessing from God that will lead you to your healing. I bet when you're counting your blessings, you don't count those, right? We don't think that way. But God does. God in His grace blesses us way more than we deserve. Second, when we think about blessings from God, we learn number two here, that blessings still flow to imperfect people who incline their heart to God. Let me say that again. Blessings flow. They still flow to imperfect people who incline their hearts to God. Can I get a praise God on that one? Right? I mean, just think about that for a moment. If God waited until you were perfect, would you ever be blessed? No way. God had been trying to get their attention, and finally it worked. He began speaking through Haggai to the people only four months earlier from our text here today. He called them to start rebuilding the temple, and then less than two months later, God sent an encouraging word to them, to Haggai through Haggai, to continue working, which we looked at last week, okay? That was that encouraging word, and work they did. And then four months later, the temple wasn't done, it wasn't completed, But the foundation was laid. And that, as our text says, was the the turning point for the children of Israel here. Look at verse 18 and 19. Haggai 2, verse 18 and 19. God says, consider from this day onward. From the 24th day of the ninth month, since the day that the foundation of the Lord's temple was laid, consider, is the seed yet in the barn? Indeed, the vine, the fig tree, the pomegranate, and the olive tree have yielded nothing but from this day on, I will bless you. God had been trying to get their attention through pain and frustration, but they refused to turn to him. But now with the finishing of the foundation of the temple, they had demonstrated that God had indeed gotten their attention, that they had indeed inclined their hearts back to God. Their hearts were now in it. And even though the temple wasn't done yet, their hearts were in it. And what did God do? God didn't say, when it's done, y'all, when it's complete, when it's perfected, I'll pour out my favor on you. No. Even though it was incomplete, even though it was unperfected, God said, from this day on, I will bless you. This is a really a beautiful illustration. That God is not looking to pour out his favor and blessing on only Perfect people, right? Praise God, God is merciful. God is forbearing. Think about this for a moment. When you think about the time when God brought judgment on the earth, throughout the Bible, one of the passages that, 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 that is uh, the epitome of that is the flood in Noah's day, right? The flood in Noah's day. The wickedness had increased on the earth so much that God said, I'm gonna destroy all living human beings and all the creatures up to too. Of each kind, and every time we look up at the rainbow, we are reminded of God's forbearance and God's mercy. Because after that flood, I want you to hear what God said in Genesis eight twenty through twenty two. Then Noah built an altar to the Lord and took some of the to some of every clean animal and some of every clean bird and offered burnt offerings on the altar. And then the Lord smelled the pleasing aroma. The Lord said in his heart, I will never again curse the ground because of man. For the intention of man's heart is evil from his youth. Neither will I ever again strike down every living creature as I have done. While the earth remains, seed time and harvest, cold and heat. Summer and winter, day and night shall not cease. God basically says here, I could destroy the world every generation. If I was not merciful and forbearing. Think about it. How many times could God have done it, right? How many times could He have sent a worldwide flood since then? But He blesses imperfect people, even imperfect people, even sinful people, just as Jesus said in Matthew 5 45. God makes his sun rise on the evil and on the good and sends rain on the just and on the unjust. He often blesses us in spite of us. And we see here in in Haggai, God is ready to pour out the fullness of his blessing on those who will merely incline their heart to him. He's not looking for you to be perfect. He's looking for you to seek him. He's looking for you to long for him. He's looking to see you strive to honor him and to obey him. Eastwood, aren't you glad that blessings still flow to imperfect people who incline their hearts to God? You know, over the years, one of the responses that I often hear when I invite someone to church or I invite someone to Christ is they say, oh, preacher, one of these days I'll get my life together and then I'll come to church. Church. How many of you guys have heard that before? Ever had somebody say that? Yeah. That's like saying, I'll head to the hospital when I get all healed up from COVID-19, right? I mean, it's like, you know what I'm saying? I mean, it doesn't make sense. God doesn't call the healthy to Christ and to the church. He calls the sick, he calls the blind. He calls the lame. He calls you just as you are. He calls you in your imperfection to incline your heart to Him. And then He will pour His favor on you. And I'm living proof of that. I am living proof of that. There are some in this room right now or watching online or a live stream who have never really inclined your heart to God. You've never turned and trusted Christ as your Savior and Lord. And so I say to you today, today would be the perfect day to give your heart to God, to cry out to God to save you. And He will. All around you right now, if you're in here and you're not yet with Christ, you've never turned and trusted Christ, all around you are imperfect people who have given their hearts to God through Jesus Christ. And now they are blessed beyond measure and you could be as well. Don't wait till the end of the service even. Right now where you are, pray to God. Let God know that you know that you're a sinner and that you believe Jesus was sent from God to live and die and rise again to save sinners. And then ask God to forgive you of your sins and tell Him that your hope for that forgiveness is found in the work of Jesus Christ alone. Praise God that blessings still flow to imperfect people who incline their hearts to God. (laughs) God in His grace blesses us way more than we deserve. Finally this morning, as we think about the blessings from God, we turn in our text and see in our text here, finally, number three, that blessings are fully realized in the Son of David, King Jesus. Right? Blessings are fully realized in the Son of David, King Jesus. Now, God here, in the end, turns his attention to Zerubbabel, the governor of Judah. He promises Zerubbabel that he's about to shake the heavens and the earth and, and overthrow kingdoms and chariots and horses and their riders won't stand against him. And then look at the promise to Zerubbabel there in Haggai 2.23. On that day, declares the Lord of hosts, I will take you, O Zerubbabel, my servant. The son of Shiltiel declares the Lord and make you like a signet ring, for I've chosen you, declares the Lord of hosts. What's happening here? What's happening is that God is anointing Zerubbabel as king over Israel. Right? That's signified by the allusion here to the signet ring. That's the ring of authority that kings would wear. It's how kings would be recognized. And it's important here to realize... That Zerubbabel is not just some random dude. We hear all throughout the book of Haggai about Zerubbabel the son of Shiltiel. We hear that over and over. So we know who his daddy was. But what Haggai doesn't tell us is who his granddaddy was. And his granddaddy was none other than Jeconiah, the last king of Judah, before Babylon destroyed Judah and and, and deported all the people. Now, if you know anything about Jeconiah, um, he, he was a wicked king. He wasn't a good king, but nevertheless, he was in the lineage of King David. I know in the, in the Bible, we often, when we come to genealogies, we just skip over them, don't we? <laughs> Let's just be honest, because they're just a name after name after name, but they're really important. I want you to turn to Matthew chapter 1 with me. We're looking at verses 6 through 12. I want you to see this in the Bible. I want you to see how God's plan. Weaves its way through generations to accomplish his purposes. Matthew 1, 6-12 says, and, the, and Jesse, the father of David the king. So there's David, the father of Rehoboam, uh, Rehoboam. And Rehoboam, the father of Abijah. And Abijah, the father of Asaph. And Asaph, the father of Jehoshaphat. And Jehoshaphat, the father of Joram. And Joram, the father of Uzziah. And Uzziah, the father of Jotham. And Jotham, uh, Jotham, the father of Ahaz. And Ahaz, the father of Hezekiah. And Hezekiah, the father of Manasseh. And Manasseh, the father of Amos. And Amos, the father of Josiah. And here it is. And Josiah, the father of Jeconiah and his brothers at the time of the deportation to Babylon. Verse 12. And after the deportation to Babylon, Jeconiah was the father of Shiltiel. And Shiltiel, the father of who? Zerubbabel. Right here, who's being anointed king over Israel at the end of Haggai here. This is important because God had made a covenant with David to have one of his heirs set on the throne of Israel forever. And the Messiah, the Christ, would be a son of David from the lineage of David, in other words. And so we finish the genealogy here in Matthew 1, verses 13 through 16. And Zerubbabel, the father of Abed, and ابيed the father of Eliakim, and Eliakim the father of Azar and Azar the father of Zadok and Zadok the father of Achim and of and Achim the father of Eliad and Eliad the father of Eleazar and Eleazar the father of Mattan and Mathan the father of Jacob And Jacob, the father of Joseph, the husband of Mary, of whom Jesus was born, who is called the Christ. I love the Bible when it all comes together like that, right? Don't you love those moments where it just fits together perfectly? Jesus is the son of Zerubbabel. And Zerubbabel is the son of David, making Jesus the son of David. And so God right here at the end of Agai here, The end of Haggai, by choosing Zerubbabel and making him like a signet ring, is reaffirming his promise and plan to bless the world through the coming king that we know today as King Jesus. Every blessing that God promised here in Haggai is fully realized in Jesus. The God-sent Savior was coming and indeed now has come and will come again. God, through Jesus, blesses us way more than we deserve. So I pray this morning, may you turn to Jesus. May you hope in Jesus. May you rest in Jesus. And may you have joy in Jesus. Here's my final prayer. May God be praised for the overflowing abundance of undeserved blessings. Eastwood, I say to you this morning, and I pray that you would say amen, you are blessed beyond measure. Hi there, this is Pastor Ben. I have something really important to ask you, but first I want to say thank you for taking the time to make this digital connection with us through our podcast. I hope the message you just listened to was a blessing, but an even greater blessing than this digital connection would be for you to connect with us in person this coming Sunday at one of Eastwood's two campuses where we get the joy of living life together in Jesus' name. And now for that really important question, which is the most important question you'll ever answer. Where do you stand before God? Now, based on what you've done, The straightforward answer is that you stand guilty and condemned before God. You are a sinner who completely deserves God's wrath forevermore in hell. And I deserve the same thing also. I mean, every person does. Guys, that's terrible news. And even worse is the fact that there's nothing you can do in and of yourself to change that. You need a Savior. But I have good news. God loved the world so much that He sent Jesus to be your Savior. Jesus came and lived the perfect life that you cannot live and he stood condemned on the cross dying the death you deserve. And three days later, Jesus was raised from the dead to prove to everybody that he is indeed the Savior of the world. And now Jesus longs to change your standing before God by making a trade with you. He desires to take what you've earned which is the wrath of God in hell and to give you in return what he has earned which is the blessing of God in heaven. When this trade happens, instead of standing guilty and condemned before God, you will stand forgiven and righteous with the promise of everlasting life. So what must you do to have your standing before God changed? First, admit to God you are a sinner. Second, hate your sins. Turn from them and ask God to forgive you. And finally, turn to Jesus in faith and love, putting your complete hope in Jesus's life, death, and resurrection and follow him until the day you die. Wherever you are listening to this podcast, Jesus is ready to make this trade with you. And I pray that you would trust in Jesus and be saved. Thank you again for connecting with us and I hope to see you soon at Eastwood Baptist Church.